Hi everyone. Today we will be talking with my good friend Jake. He is a longtime LA friend. We have done a lot of fun things together, but we've also been through a lot of dark times together. So I'm very thankful to have his voice as part of this project. Um, during the pandemic, we were both not doing very well. And so every couple of weeks, we would meet up at the park and talk to each other about all of life. But a lot of those conversations surrounded the topic of this podcast before the idea was even born. So because of that, he is um, one of my earliest interviews. So this conversation was recorded at the end of March. And um, we also have kind of a different structure because things weren't quite established. So um, it just felt natural to start this podcast out with someone who I had already had so many conversations with and someone I really, really respected, especially when it comes to topics like this. So um, I have really appreciated learning more and more about Jake's journey, and I think you will too. So without further ado, here's my friend Jake. Is there any kind of just like non-spiritual context that you'd like to give our listeners for this voice that they're hearing? Non-spiritual context? Yeah, like if you want to say like, like who I am. At, yeah, like who are you? <laughs> I know who you are, but a lot um, of people won't. I feel like if I say anything about that, I'm nobody. <laughs> That's so not true. Um, I don't. Think I'm so. an entertainment professional. Yeah. Twenty-five-year-old twink living in Los Angeles, California. It's like one of the least nobody answers you could have given me. So <laughs> really, don't have uh, yeah. to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. What else is there to say? I mean, that's um, some pretty good context. I always yeah. think it's interesting for people to know kind of like very briefly who you are before you kind of give a history of who you are because you kind mm. of can like have a little preview of what ends up going on. I was trying to think if there's, if there's any other sort of biographical point that would really make, you know, make a good like talking head sort of um little graph super super what's it called when they superimpose basically a, a chevron type thing <laughs> but, no. but yeah it's been interesting to watch you like we've known each other for four years now um oh my god <laughs> I know <laughs> for four years and we met in our semester in LA we both had a film like intensive semester here mm -hmm. and we weren't like, I think I talked to you like two or three times during the semester. Like we weren't really in the same circles at all. Um, but yeah, we I mean, it was, it was 39 people. So it yeah, was like yeah. a, a few very small circles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, we didn't work on the same short film. We didn't have like, like with some other people I had like the same internship and the same short film. And like, I lived to get, you know, that kind of stuff, but we didn't have mm. that as much, but we both stayed living out here in LA when like almost everyone else left for at least the summer or forever. Um, and so that's when I feel like I got to know you better. We like took a drive up to the Sequoias and yeah. my car kept acting up 
And I yeah. could tell you were so stressed. Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. I was stressed like too. Hours away from home. Yeah. Like, you know, no way to, to get home. But yeah, that's like one of my first memories of like getting to know you better. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah. And then since then, we've just kind of stayed in touch. And sometimes we go like several months without checking in. And then sometimes we hang out all the time and you just never know. Yeah. I think that's just like being an adult or a young adult. Yeah. You know, that's true. Yeah. Can you give us some context of like spiritually or religiously, I guess you could say, how you were raised and the culture that you were kind of expected to take on as a kid? Yeah. So my parents, I was raised in um, an Assemblies of God church and family. So like a, a fundamentalist evangelical sort of charismatic family um, or church environment. Um, so basically just believing that like all you need is you just read the Bible and pray and you'll have like the, the Bible will speak to you in your specific situations and tell you all you need to know. And like prayer will give you this relationship with God and he'll tell you what you need to do. Um, and yeah, all of the cliche conservative morals. Um, it's also like a Republican households. Mm-hmm. Um, was being a Republican like closely connected with like, was that said as like, that's the Christian yes. way of being? Okay. So they were closely yeah. connected. But they, I mean, my parents uh, vocally distrust all politicians, mm. but, but like Democrats are like Republicans are like basically Christians, but untrustworthy and Democrats are just godless and untrustworthy. How were you in that context? How did that work for you? Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting. Um, I mean, obviously as a, being a child, I believed like initially sort of believed, um, in an operational way, everything they told me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was also very uncomfortable. Like I never felt what other people seemed to feel in the church in terms of like the spirit or work. Like I didn't understand worship. Mm. I just didn't get like, everyone seemed like so sure about God and who God was and what God does. And so happy to be praising him. And I just like that never computed or clicked for me. Um, And I also, was a very skeptical child. And as I got older, I only became more and more skeptical. So mm-hmm. um, I still like believed, um, it was, yeah, I still believed, but I was starting to have like questions in the back of my mind that like I wasn't really allowed to ask, mm-hmm. but over time, um, started to like materialize more clearly but um so yeah I like never really talked I never liked to pray in front of other people I never liked to talk about 
myself or spirituality or Christianity. So I think my parents always had the sense that like I wasn't into it. Um, but I just did whatever was expected of me and tried to, which is, you know, also generally true of how I fit into my family. But hmm. um, yeah, I wasn't like openly rebelling because that was too scary. I get that. <laughs> um, were your siblings a little bit more in line with what your parents expected? Yeah. Um, for the most part, we didn't like, like feel the spirit as much as other people, but um, they seemed to have less doubts and less skepticism mm. than me. Um, and they also like adhered to the gender stuff and the conservative mindset more for longer, I guess. Um, but yeah, and two of them were like more active in the, in the church. I guess they were all more active in the church social scene. So yeah, I think they fulfilled that those expectations for my parents a little bit better. Yeah. And you guys switched churches at one point, right? Yes. Um, when, um, well, when I, when I was like a baby, we went to this United Pentecostal church, which is like super conservative. Um, and then I forget why, but they ended up moving to, I don't remember if it was another Assemblies of God or another United Pentecostal, but a church in the Pentecostal tradition. And then that like was sort of torn apart by a scandal. And so yeah. when I was like seven or eight, we moved to the church they currently are associated with. How did your family interact with that scandal? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really know because I was too young. Mm. But I think they just like probably shook their heads at like the pastor of the church for doing stuff he shouldn't have done. And then I don't know. Uh, I don't really know how they interacted specifically, but they got over it. But their solution was to move to a different church. Yeah, well, the church eventually, the church disbanded pretty quickly. Oh, wow. Like, it actually shut down. So. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I bet that would affect spiritual formation, probably in your siblings a little bit more, because they were a little bit older. Um, or maybe my not. two older siblings, but even they were still, hmm. yeah. I mean, the next church we went to was so similar that, like, mm. And it was probably a quick transition. So I don't think, I don't know how it would have affected like, you know, their spiritual formation. Yeah. So when you were in high school and you were looking to go to college, was spirituality a big part of that in your search? Um, yes. So as many people who know me know this, that I went, I went to a Christian college hoping that I could like learn about and have intelligent conversations about and like open conversations about like all these questions I had about the Bible regarding women and sex and gender and race and class and science. Um, so 
There's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, I've never felt like a spiritual person. So I almost never word it as like spirituality, but. Mm. Um, How do you usually word it? Um, I guess at the time it just would have been Christian, like okay. looking for uh, my Christianity. Mm. Yeah. And Christianity to you meant believing? Uh, yeah. Acting? Believing. Okay. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And I mean, acting, of course, but, um, but yeah, so that was important looking for colleges. And you ended up finding I one. ended up finding one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was fantastic and horrible at the same time. Yeah. Walk <laughs> me through that. It was really amazing. Um, well, we had some like gay scandal, not really scandal, but like the president, uh, we had some events in my freshman year that were like supposed to be like, having conversations about sexuality and um, it just caused a lot of chaos and pain and uh, uproar and conversation. Um, and then the next- And were you part of that or did you more like observe that? Uh, I- was an observer at first like the first semester and second semester I think I became more of a participant because mm -hmm. I was like basically out at that point okay um and did that like affect how you interacted with Christianity being out um hmm. that's a good question the, the thing is at the same time there was there was so much going on at once with the, with my worldview and how what I thought about everything and what I thought about religion and spirituality and the universe. So I wouldn't frame it as like a causal relationship where like being out affected my relationship with Christianity. It was more like the other way around, sort of like my relationship with, or I guess my worldview changing increasingly like allowed me to come out and allowed me to do mm. and believe other things yeah um but I was also like by sophomore year like a visible because it was a small campus so like I was only one of a few out queer men so certainly it was like the predominant factor in how I related to people on campus like administrators mm. and um teachers and other students obviously um and that was I'm guessing fairly different from your like home and high school experience oh <laughs> yeah and yeah mm, <laughs> yeah well I was closeted in at home um yeah. and also didn't express any like skepticisms or doubts um so what were you taught about <laughs> being queer growing up? Um, that it's disgusting and a sin and that's pretty much it. Um, it's not like they talked a lot about it, but that was understood from, it was understood. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they almost never talked about it. They really did not, and I don't even know if they fully do today, but they certainly did not even fully understand what, like, sexuality, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So was college, like, a learning curve for you as well in learning about that, or did you kind of know that on your own before? Um, I had started, I had just started to, like, edu- like try to seek out discourse on, like, Christian queerness and like is there a way to interpret the Bible that you know allows you to actively be queer um and then I mean I wouldn't say a learning curve but yeah there was all of a sudden at college there whereas before there was taboo and silence at college there's like all this discourse and like and scholarship and um engagement with just I mean every idea but that idea of like being queer um so I learned a lot about like how people think about it biblically but um and of course I learned you know more things about queer culture and and gender and all that um just by virtue of getting older so during that time in your life were you, were you identifying as a Christian and feeling like you could just have a different interpretation of what Christianity looked like or how did that work for you? Um, yeah, like my first, uh, my freshman year and like a few, and then the summer and then a few months into my sophomore year were like this very intense like mental battle um because I very quickly like certain pillars of Christianity I no longer believed in um what were those pillars but I still um basically believing in the bible um caring (laughs) caring what it has to say the idea of God as like um, a thinking person, um, like a personality as opposed to like a force. And and then so like Jesus as like our, sa- like our savior and as the incarnation of like this like conscious spirit in this like in sort of the fantastical sense of like a person who doesn't have a body as opposed to Jesus who's just like, incarnation of love and goodness um yeah also just like attending church and worship I mean all those things uh, was either at least um highly critical of if not um believe that they were bad so but I still really needed to call myself a Christian and part of why you know I went to college being like I, I need to answer these questions so that my Christian you know they're not there my faith will be you know I'll figure something out I'll either figure out that it's nonsense or I'll figure out like that it's even more resilient and complex Mm. um than I thought possible so I really wanted to be able to call myself a Christian and I continue to do that with like an asterisk um because it's incredibly important to my parents that I am a Christian because they believe you know that non-Christians are going to hell Right. Um, 
So, or last time I checked there, um, it was more important to me out of like loyalty to them that I continued, like I define Christian belief in a way that works with what I actually believe. Cause you can't really choose what you believe. Um, but then at some point it was so, at some point I just got the courage and my beliefs were so not recognizable as Christian that, I mean, I could have continued to if I believed that it was something valuable to me, but basically none of the core Christian like beliefs were valuable to me anymore. So um, at that point, I just started identifying as an atheist. I was like 19. Mm. What was that like emotionally for you? Um, Like finally admit that. Oh, it was. Oh, it was a lot of things at once. It was sad. Um, and scary but also freeing and relieving uh, yeah but anxiety inducing because it means that like it's a, a new secret I have to like keep from my family why do you why did you go towards atheism instead of agnosticism or another religion or something like that like why at that time was that something that felt right to you because I don't believe one I don't believe in anything um not physical um and two I believe like like there's weak atheism and strong atheism so weak atheism is like a lack of a like you just don't have a belief in a god and strong atheism is and not these aren't like valued um what are they called value judgments they're just okay it's just a term yeah strong atheism is like the belief that there is nothing like there is no god or basically it's what it boils down to um so i don't feel agnostic in like the sense that i'm like oh there could be a spiritual being or there could be like i i believe that there isn't um so yeah did your like coming to that belief obviously there was a lot a lot leading up to that did like your classes have a big part to do of it with it like the people who are around you what are some things that like let you finally start like identifying as that or I guess some triggers um it was definitely the classes um because for the first time I studied the bible in detail and like had I mean you know had a course in the old testament a course in the new testament and a bunch of discussion groups attached to the classes where you um oh and then like a separate theology class discussion groups attached to these where you like also discuss the bible and interpretations and um all the scholarship stuff and the more i got to know what it actually what you know christianity was actually based on and the more questions were raised and the more i felt like sort of 
you know, I had an overview of all the questions exposed, like just laid out on the tables. I felt I could sit, sit back and be like, oh, this is pretty much the whole thing. And it, once you're in an academic environment where like you're allowed and encouraged to question everything and to investigate everything, it just, and seeing all of the round and around and around and around on like these biblical or theological questions or historical questions that people have been talking about, it just, reached a point where I was like, why, wait, why are we believing in it? Like, why are we doing all this again? Mm. I remember sitting in one class and being like, wait a second. Like, if, like, if there's the crack there, like everything mm. falls down and it just started to seem like, I looked around and I was like, why are we just doing all this work? Like, why do we actually <laughs> care that much for like something yeah. none of us would have believed if we hadn't been, or most of us wouldn't have believed if we hadn't, you know, been raised since literal, you know, the moment out of the womb, believing this. Um, so definitely the, the classes and the professors like challenging us to think critically about things. How did your professors interact with your perspective in those classes? Um, well, they were all big classes when, mm. you know, the ones that studied the Bible. Um, so I didn't get a chance to actually talk with with most of them um but in some of the discussion groups we had which were moderated by like maybe not the professor of the class but either another like adjunct professor or like a senior student um i think they were usually the the, the adjuncts professor or whoever is leading the discussion was usually like excited by whatever like um, heretical thing I like idea I had to bring up or like radical mm. idea. Not that I was like, I'm not saying I was like a maverick or whatever, but yeah, um, questioning certain things. I think that, that gets them really excited because they're like the academics. So, I mean, I wasn't outwardly just like, we're talking about the Bible. So I'm obviously engaging with that and not just saying like crossing my arms and saying, well, I don't believe in this. So I have, I think you're all dumb. Um, so I was engaging with it. So it's not like I w they could really react to me not being yeah. there and not believing in God, even though they, even though they probably would have suspected it um, or not been shocked by it. I think they like having, you know, the, the wide range of perspectives mm. and discussions. That's pretty cool, honestly, that they didn't just shut that yeah. down. So what, what are some key points in your relationship to the way you were raised or Christianity between college and coming out in many ways <laughs> what were some key points between then and now where you're at now so between like sort of the, the end of that journey to now yeah, yeah. key points oh geez um I mean not much has really changed um regarding like religion or spirituality um I think college I like pretty pretty quickly like um not that I fully deconstructed my Christian experience but like it was a pretty short journey of um 
changing my opinions on everything and just like gaining wildly new opinions and insight on things. Um, and after that, it's all just been like, I don't know, just looking back on my childhood. Um, but I haven't really changed my beliefs. Um, I haven't had to interact with religion a lot. Um, Have you yeah, processed anything newly? Like, I mean, I know like this past year has been, this past year especially, but like I know you to be someone who's like constantly like processing things psychologically has there been any new things that you're processing lately that have to do with how you were raised um yeah well I started therapy in what was it like seven months ago okay. wow which is <laughs> feels like a really long time yeah. um so one thing that we've talked a lot about me and her, my therapist, is that um, I was raised with, my parents were very anxious and perfectionistic and um, had a very strong sense of what things were right and wrong. So I grew up with an extremely strong sense of, um, of right and wrong and things needing to be right. And it, uh, everything yeah, needing to be a certain way, otherwise it is bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I also have very black and white ways of, like rationally I can recognize complexity, but emotionally it's sort of like rationalizing the complexity of things makes me feel justified in having this very black or white emotional response to things, like they're either good or bad. Mm -hmm. um, and and I've had a lot of trouble my entire life, like being extremely critical of things, um, voicing like negative opinions a lot, like about things that I don't like, because that's how I um, pleased my parents and showed them that I wanted to be a, a good boy and a good person was by recognizing like the things to avoid, the, like bad things or sins or dangerous things. Um, and I think that's Christianity has like helped them. It, I feel like it's sort of just, they've used it to justify those very unhealthy, hypercritical thought patterns. Like everything feels like black or white and good, good or bad because it is, because we're living in this um, dualistic cosmos where everything is either like hitting the mark of perfection or it's falling short. Um, and ev everything can be, can, can be categorized like that. So that's one thing that I'm really dealing with in so many parts, really every part of my life um, that I think it's, you know, inextricably intertwined with their personalities and faith. Um, and yeah, it's just been interesting and almost disorienting realizing through therapy that like, even though I don't have a religion and I don't rationally believe that there's like objective right or wrong, I'm still approaching everything with the same, not the same lens, but like my lens is structured in the same way as theirs. It's just a different like angle or whatever. I know you to be an extremely ethical person. 
<laughs> in so many ways. Wow, I'm flattered. <laughs> um, but yeah, with your perspective, that all the things that you just said, and um, I know, like growing up, and I don't see things this way anymore. But growing up, I was kind of like led to believe that like people who don't believe in God have no ethics or morals or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. I just, in my life, I've seen a lot of my friends who are atheists to be like extremely ethical people. Um, So how does that, how does that work for you? Or how did you work that out? Like, where do your ethics come from or where they stem from? Um, Well, that's an enormous question. (laughs) Where my ethics come from, but it is, that does bring up, multiple thoughts for me one this is this is somewhat of a tangent but i love this quote from this philosopher named uh, i don't know how to pronounce his name but it's it's like slavic so it's slavo slavoj zizek slavoj zizek i think um last name is z-i-z-e-k and he has a movie i forget what it's called but it's like him narrating like all these sort of cultural philosophical ideas. Basically one of them is that there's this belief or this um, refrain that without God, all things are permissible. Meaning if you don't believe in God, then, then you'll just do anything because you don't have morals. And what he like, a new perspective he presents in this movie, which I don't know if he's the originator of it, but he presents it, is that with God, all things are permissible because God, your belief in God basically can justify any action as long as you believe that it's what God wants you to do. And so like, you know, God justifying the crusades and justifying terrorism uh, are being used to justify them rather, Um, being used to justify genocide. So. I think it's super interesting how many evangelicals think that everyone else is just inherently immoral and that they are inherently moral. Like it's just absurd. Um, And this also reminds me of one of the um, subjects we were talking about earlier, which is like people who are similar to you and people who are different from you. Because I, I was very much raised to believe that like evangelicals or like God's chosen people and everyone else is like, you know, a Gentile <laughs> or um, yeah, a non-believer who needs to be like converted or if not defeated. Um, and yeah, I was just absolutely, I was baffled by the existence of atheists. I was like, how do you do that? Like, how do you phys- like physically, how did you get there? Uh, how could this happen? Like, how do you have the courage to walk through God's world, like denying him, but also like, I was sort of like fascinated and almost like a, like fascinated by the, like if other people could do it, like, could I do that? Like, is it possible for me to stop believing? Um, Or like, do I even believe? I would question like, am I really believing? Or like, is this what belief feels like? Um, I'm getting off topic, but ethics, it's interesting. Um, I mean, sociologically, I would just say they come from, you know, liberal friends from mostly college, but also 
began in, in high school. Um, and some core things I get from my parents, like the need to do the importance of doing things right and the importance of fairness and safety and protecting people and, and of also like uh, doubting authority figures and not valuing, hmm, this isn't necessarily true of me now, but another thing was like not valuing tradition um, and history or really intelligence. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'm sort of unsettled by like, I'm aware that my, like, my ethics are just sort of the, the product of my surroundings. So they're sort of just a mishmash of a bunch of stuff, just like everyone else's. But um, does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going, no, I'm just great. rambling now. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think that was something I just wanted to hear from you in your words, like, you do have ethics, you do, like, you are not, you, you have experienced and talked about, like, there are consequences for actions, and, like, like, that works that way, Um, even without the belief in, like, a God who is weaving it all together for that. Yeah, but an interesting thing, also, folks, if you find a good therapist, don't just go to, I mean, everyone says get therapy and and if you could afford it you should but um also make sure they're a good one though (laughs) but um another thing therapies I've been thinking about is just like and beyond before therapy like as I get older and I and I'm depressed and feeling like I'm aging like I do feel this almost spiritual sense of like, I can't fix the world and no matter how, like it's one of my core desires is to fix, make the world right, fix people, like help people, fix people, make them right, make everything better. Um, and not, yeah, and I don't believe in any sort of permanent existence of life. Um, so now I'm just, I'm in the early stages of a long, journey of trying to come to terms with death basically and like and to what degree I like I believe certain things are right or wrong but I'm just um some days I I strongly feel like I like are compelled to do something about it and other days I feel like like it's pointless (laughs) um yeah and I'm also just you know realizing how you know, I've always felt very, very strongly about things one way or the other, like right or wrong. And now I'm like, I'm still that way, but now I'm conscious of how it ties into this sort of not entirely bad, like I don't want to completely judge it, but problematic for me way of seeing the world and way of thinking, which just judges everything very quickly and causes a lot of anxiety. So I'm trying to sort of like integrate and like retain, like be myself, but also not be completely uh, subject to those bad patterns. Um, but yeah, I mean, religion is very much like, I, I think I would have had all the, most of the same problems without religion, but it just granted like an authority and a power to these bad forces. Hmm. I think you've covered this in a lot of ways, but is there anything you want to add to like what 
you're thankful to leave behind from Christianity? Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I think that is one of the things I'm most thankful to leave behind is like the feeling that, yeah, the feeling of otherness from everyone else and like, hmm, and fear of difference. Um, I'm also happy to leave behind like the energy and anxiety and work put into fucking (laughs) believing in the Bible, basically, or believing in like traditional Christian um, tenets. Um, just so like, once you let go of that and are like, like all the colleges, like it was constant biblical debate. And once it's just like, I don't care. It doesn't, (laughs) it literally doesn't matter because it has no bearing on my life. Like, wow, that is such a burden lifted. (laughs) Um, and not having to wonder about what's real. Is it real or not? You know? So I don't, I don't miss any of that. Yeah. And also not being able to participate in all the fun of like, like sex and um, drugs and alcohol. Not that I'm like this crazy partier, but it's like, that's not the, it's not like that. Like literally just, just have, you know, be smart and safe and have fun. Like everything doesn't have to be an extreme. so yeah. I definitely don't miss that. That's fair. <laughs> Is there anything that you do miss? Yes. Um, actually, and I don't remember if you and I talked about this, um, but there's this comedian, Joel, Joel Kim Booster, who was raised, he's Korean, I believe, but was raised by this like white Midwestern family. Um, and he was raised Christian and conservative and now he's like they're very very much not that and he's gay um but his father recently died and he was tweeting about how nothing uh, there's nothing to replace like I'll pray for you or I'm praying for you in like non-christian or post-christian culture so because of course when you, you talk about like praying for something it's like I'm actually doing something like I'm getting someone's I'm getting you help um so it has like it feels good but you can't if you just say like energy or vibes or like I you know I hope it goes well or or I hope you're well um it's just like well yeah then there's nothing we can do about it (laughs) like so I miss the I miss that sense of comfort I think that extends to everything. Like I miss the sense of comfort that like life will go on after we die. Um, even if we don't really, really believe that if it's just like on the most superficial level of our consciousness, it feels like we do. Um, Cause I don't know if I ever truly like believed, believed that. Um, yeah. And just the, the, just the comfort that like everything's part of, a larger narrative that it will play out a certain way and like you're safe and ultimately 
you will never die and mm. and you will be and you will be safe so i miss that yeah i think that's really fair there's a lot of fear right now mm-hmm. but i think in the especially in the past maybe even like 20 years um especially older people being very afraid of all the young people leaving the church mm-hmm. and i know that's a very common common panic mode i guess from um from what i've heard from especially older folks what do you have to say to people who are worried about young people leaving the church yeah i i thought i i thought about this question um because i and I feel like it's a really good question because there's so many, there's so many things you, I could think of wanting to say um, and like how to approach the question. But, and I don't, what I sort of tentatively landed on is like, you know, don't worry about other people following your religion. Just do your thing. Stop fucking worrying if, if no one, you know, if, if, you're part of a small, small minority or if, you know, getting the whole world to believe it. But I, as I thought of that, I was like, well, it's built into this religion that other people need to believe. Otherwise they're going to be like tortured forever or just like zapped out of existence. Um, and that everyone else will be like in a perfect never ending life in paradise. So I, I can't even say that to the, the older Christians worried about younger people leaving because it's contrary to one of their foundational beliefs to just let people go to hell. Um, so stop believing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, some of the obvious things I could say are like, like you need to evaluate how you treat like queer people and people of different races, people of different countries, hello, colonialism. But I think you could fix all those things and young people are still going to leave because they just don't believe in a God anymore. Mm. At least that's how I feel. So, and I don't, I don't think the narrative of like, we need salvation from our awfulness really strikes as much of a chord culturally anymore. And that's because of, you know, global, cultural, economic, <laughs> geopolitical forces that you can't control. Like you would have to collectively get together with millions and millions of people who have an understanding of the complexity of the situation. It's just like you can't. So maybe I'll just say, let go and let God, like it's really <laughs> out of your control. How many people believe in God? I think that's a great, great wrapping up point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Jake. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I've, I was very much excited to interview you because I know we've recorded several podcast episodes together in the past, but like none of them mm. have seen the light of day. Mm. <laughs> so hopefully yeah. this one yes. actually will. We'll see. But yes, you have oh. good things to say and I'm excited for people to hear them. Oh, yes, I just this my appetite is wet to wet W wetted W-H-E-P-T-E-D. <laughs> yes. Like, wet like water. <laughs> um for a discussion now so yeah absolutely yes, i'm so glad i'm so glad you're doing this too oh good i'm glad Fabulous. well i also scheduled you as like 
one of the first interviews because I'm like, this will just feel like one of our normal conversations because that's mm-hmm. what we talk about oftentimes. So yeah, thanks for, yeah, it is for making it feel extra natural. Of course. I mean, that's, I'm in that, I'm, I'm a natural <laughs> performer. You are. You are. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I'll see you soon. We'll do a park hangout someday soon. Uh, okay. Yes. We really, we, we haven't do, caught do, up we yet. Do. We do have a lot to catch up on. We do. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as the listeners go, I think we're good. But thank you so yes, much. Yes. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday night. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.